I think a very important aspect about Bella's character is that she adapts and she takes steps to ensure her survival. Like, you know, when Redcliffe offered her his hand, she took it. She was out of there. Welcome to The Story Thinker, a Webtoons and Witcher podcast for superfans with scene-by-scene analysis. Featuring sharp co-hosts for a fuller picture, we dive deep into character psychology, relationships, and theories. We'd love it if you could like, subscribe, comment, and rate us on all podcast platforms and social media. For bonus content, you can support The Story Thinker on Patreon. Let's begin. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our second episode, 130, Finding Play, Purple Hyacinth. And this is a bonus episode with Foot. So we're very excited because he has prepared a whole bunch of stuff for us um, based on a lot of it, from what I understand, based on the episode that we did with Suki's Corner. So, yeah, I'm excited we get a double, a double treat this time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Mindy. Uh, I've been very busy for the last few weeks, so I wasn't able to join for the first episode. So I am genuinely so appreciative that you were um, kind enough to let me come on as a bonus episode because I love Bella and Nera so much. So yeah, I, I have six page of notes in front of me right now. Yeah, so I um, mean, it wasn't even like when, as soon as this episode happened, I was like, who has to do this? Because I know like if it would be um, an episode with like, Kieran and Lauren where they were like I don't know confessing their love or something they're like there's no way I was not I couldn't be on it like theoretically I know I'm the host but like <laughs> you know like you have to do you know I, I know what it means that favorite thank you thank you airtime so <laughs> yeah thank you yeah thank you so much for your time again it's, yeah, it's sure. such an honor <laughs> right. so we're just gonna we're not gonna do exactly panel by panel we're just gonna do kind of scene by scene because we uh, did panel by panel before. So we have this flashback where uh, five years ago, Darcy's in the bar and she's spying on these people and they um, they walk out, she gets attacked and Bella comes and rescues her. So um, that's where we'll start. I'm assuming you have what to say about this. Yeah, okay, so... Going into the episode, I had heard a lot of like rumors or kind of just like murmurs, kind of people just wondering like, hey, will this episode be a backstory episode? And I actually wasn't completely sold on it, surprisingly. Like I I didn't really commentate on whether, on whether I thought it would be a backstory episode because I thought it would kind of just go straight to like their conversation. So I was very surprised to see the five years earlier Um, And I do like how this episode does not reveal everything. It's just like, you know, their first encounter and then it transitions back into uh, the current time. And I think something that really struck out to me is the sort of thugs. I don't know if they are thugs, but the men at least, Um, they, when they attack Darcy, they, they say that she's a spy. Like they know that she's a spy. And I thought that was kind of interesting because a lot of Phantom Scythe members also seem to know Kieran's face and his face as the Purple Hyacinth. And so I'm kind of just wondering how, you know, any sort of like undercover person does anything in Apocalypse without being recognized. And even how like Bella later on, like how is she not recognized as, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the Golden Viper? That's a good point. <laughs> I th- I'm going to chalk it up to like, story purposes but I think you're Mm -hmm. right like Darcy is recognizable here and like she's also a member of the nobility and 
I mean, I think the only thing we could possibly say is that members of the nobility like don't really hang out in the Phantom Scythe, but we know that's not true either. So, mm-hmm. well, it's interesting because we do know that there have been past examples of kind of like nobles or more like you know richer people um, who did join the Phantom Scythe to spy. And a good example would be. Clara slash Rosa Grayson, who got her name changed, but is Sandman's daughter. And she was, she had, it's implied that she had married into a rich family because Grayson is not Sandman. Mm. Um, but Kieran killed her in the second episode because of the spy work that she was doing and that kill happened within the 11th precinct which is a generally very middle class slash wealthy precinct plus mm-hmm. she is um a lady so by the way that uh, episode was when i stopped reading Hope of Hyacinth the first time um really yeah oh, and yeah, and I was like, oh, I'm only going to read webtoons that like I like. And I, I came across and I was like, oh my God, this is so violent. I can't handle it. And I like clicked it away. And then months, months later, I don't remember why. <laughs> on a podcast, I, I started it again. And then I fell in love with it. But um, it took me a while to get used to the violence. <laughs> yeah, and look, look where you are now. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess, I guess it makes sense that maybe maybe the guy didn't fully know that she was a spy because he says they sent you here to spy on me. Huh? Like he's trying to figure it out mm. because he recognizes her as, as someone who comes from the nobility, but he probably doesn't really know her whole deal. Interesting. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he recognizes her necessarily as coming from the nobility. I think he just knows her as a spy. Like, I don't, I don't know if he knows yeah. the second step that she was. Yeah, maybe. It could. I feel like it could be either way. It's not entirely clear because he's he's like, I recognize your pretty face, which kind of makes me think that, you know, he saw her in the newspaper or something, right? Like, you know, okay. you know but the Darcy's held an event and, you know, Nero was photographed or something. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Or it could just be that he's seen her spy before. like mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like, know. yeah. Or like, you know, maybe like in, within, if he's like fandom size, within the fandom size you know people are kind of like catching on like hey there's this girl who has been doing a lot of spy work recently this is her name whatever this is what she looks like you know so i wonder if she was a double agent back then already because when he says they sent you to spy i mean who does he mean does he mean the queen and her sort sent him her to spy or does he mean phantom scythe sent you to spy like it's still you know we still don't know who she's spying for (laughs) i would guess that she is spying for the royals because it seems like Elizabeth has a lot of trust in her and especially in her abilities which makes sense if she's been working for Elizabeth for five years but I also think what's kind of interesting is that she's only 18 right here like she's about 18 right. which is like pretty young for mm-hmm. spying <laughs> you know so yeah I feel yeah, maybe I a little bit more I mean, you see, like, when a little bit later, she's not completely, you know, confident, and, you know, she is still, like, her age, but yeah, but still, for an 18-year-old, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I, I like how this episode, like, you can definitely tell she's younger, like, she's a bit, I don't know, maybe we just haven't seen that much of her yet, but she's very, like, 
enthusiastic, especially around Bella. She's like, yeah, like, I want you to teach me this stuff. But I feel like now she's more like confident in herself, right? She's less naive maybe, or, you know, just cynical now. Yeah. More smooth, more in control. Mm -hmm. She definitely knows what she's doing more now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Age is massive thing <laughs> now that I'm old I'm not old but like I, I definitely see a massive difference between like my 33 year old self and my 20 year old self etc yeah so okay um are you ready, ready to talk about like Bella's appearance yes okay yeah so Bella comes and like rescues her in a very kick-ass way hi <laughs> <laughs> And um, yeah, just dispatches all those people like really easily. She also offends the guy by slapping him several times. <laughs> Worse than being stabbed, apparently. Mm-hmm. And yeah. What did you yeah. make of that? So when I, when I was reading this scene for the first time, I thought, I, I originally thought that her mission was like, oh, maybe like her mission is for the guys probably, right? Mm-hmm. She was decent with the guys. But then I was like, like really quickly after that, I was like, but what if her mission was to kill Nero? Because, and I was listening to the original 130 podcast and I was surprised that I didn't, I don't think any of you guys brought up the possibility because it kind of made a lot of sense to me Mm -hmm. that maybe Bella would have been ordered to kill Nero because, you know, she's a noble who's spying and we've seen Kieran kill mm. nobles who were spying before and she kind of asked like who is this interrupting my mission which honestly could go for either the guys or Darcy but it feels like maybe it was the guys interfering more because they were the ones who were attacking Darcy mm. um, I do think it's kind of like but if Bella was tasked to kill Nero, why isn't Nero done by, uh, dead by now? Because, you know, it doesn't really feel like the Phantom side would leave a loose thread like that hanging. Nor Bella. And, like, I don't yeah. think she doesn't have some mercy for her victims. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe, like, Bella just didn't either, if she were supposed to kill either the guys or Nero, maybe the reason she didn't kill them in this moment was because of witnesses, you know, Nero would have seen her kill the guys or the guys would have seen her kill Nero like it's a couldn't really get away with either of that so it would kind of give her an excuse if she was tasked with killing either of them or maybe this whole mission thing is irrelevant and there is no other layer to it (laughs) yeah I mean it could even be that their her mission is like I don't know someone else inside the bar I don't I don't think it's I don't think we have supposed to take anything out of this episode. Like, I don't think it has any more significance beyond what we see in this episode. That's my suspicion. Yeah. Also, in my notes, I put it as um, Bella has been alluded to killing Nero before, like in 115, when um, Kieran asked Bella what she would do if the apostle ordered her to kill uh, Nero. And so now I'm like, maybe it's not more of a hypothetical and more it's more mm. of like a past situation where something like that was kind of going on hmm. maybe mm-hmm. and, I, I tell you what i think yeah. that if if that were the case there would be more drama like they mm-hmm. the authors would milk that situation more so that's why i think the fact that it's not obvious i think that it's just not the case because i think that if there were the case it's a really great place to put a lot of drama and conflict and you know um mm-hmm. hesitation 
and it, since we didn't really see that I feel like it just didn't happen <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's it's kind of like I think it's a trope almost like you know when the assassin falls for their kill or, or like their target or something and you know Verizon is not one to avoid tropes so I would not be surprised if they did go for that later down the road because it does seem like it is very heavily implied that there's definitely more to come between them Mm -hmm. um and especially since apostle seven is aware of nira i'm wondering like how he plays into that because you know to an extent we know of two i mean two phantom scythe members kieran and apostle who both are aware of uh nira in relation to bella and so I do wonder how those two with, you know, their fandom size status uh, kind of play into that because, you know, maybe they were, maybe they either like collaborated with Bella with an issue pertaining to near like Kieran and Bella had a spy mission maybe, or maybe the apostle again, like ordered Bella to kill her or spy on her or whatever. I was also thinking that maybe instead of like killing Nira she was supposed to spy on her and Mm -hmm. that would definitely lead to more opportunities for them later down the road where they would have to kind of meet because Bella would be spying and Nira who is also a spy would probably figure her out pretty quickly Mm -hmm. but on that I was all I also should probably mention that going into this episode I was wondering if Nira would even know that Bella is Phantom Scythe and I think with this episode it is safe to say that she doesn't but I think that is to once we get back to the current conversation yeah well I guess I don't know if you want to talk about it when we get to there but mm-hmm. definitely in the beginning in the flashback she doesn't seem to know but by the way you yeah. mentioned like I, I totally agree with you I think that we are going to have whether it's with Bella or whether it's with Kieran I think we are going to have that trope of like the assassin has to kill someone that is close to them um mm-hmm. I think that if it happens with Bella and Darcy, what Bella will do is kind of like, I think that might be like the climax for their relationship and their arc. And then Bella might choose to just abscond with Darcy and like leave Art Hollis like to begin with. But like, I can't see let's say Kieran and Lauren leaving Art Hollis, which some people have speculated because I think that they're very tied to Art Hollis. They feel connected to it. They want to fix the city. They want to help the city. But I can totally mm-hmm. see Bella and Darcy just like getting themselves out of there and like escaping forever. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Um, I think... Yeah, Kieran and Lauren have a lot of unfinished business in Ordalis, you know, and it's kind of, especially Lauren, she has that conflict with her as a detective and her trying to get back her detective role. And she, you know, often plays the role of detective and then she gets kind of scorned for it, like we saw in 129. And so it's kind of, I feel like it's kind of implied right now with the narrative that for her loon work she'll get to be a detective again mm-hmm. but who knows maybe by that point she won't she won't even want to be a detective um, oh and i just thought what if tristan dies and then she takes over as chief <laughs> which no i don't think way. she should i don't she, think she should because you need to have like years of experience to get that yeah role. i don't think she has it <laughs> but it's a possibility <laughs> yeah maybe like maybe she won't i mean she probably won't become chief of police right after Tristan gets incapacitated by that role if he ever does <laughs> like I'd rather him step down than get assassinated or something or hit by a car you know <laughs> hit by um, a car <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, Sandman's driving the car. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, maybe Lauren becomes chief of police someday in when she gets a lot older, definitely because right. you know she can't go from officer to detective to officer to maybe detective to chief of police. That would probably be blasphemous, but yeah, I think yeah, Karen and Lauren, I. I feel like they both have to survive to the end because they they have stuff they need to do after the phantom site is taken down mm-hmm. but on it and as you're saying like with bill rc they would probably just run away into the sunset and i totally see that because uh there has been a lot of thematic focus on them lately about how they both hate their situations and how they both want to escape from those mm-hmm. situations yeah. and well, I love the idea of just Galarcy just completely abandoning Art Hollis and being whisked away to travel the world. Mm-hmm. I kind of also really like the idea that they will have character arcs where they realize that they cannot just leave Art Hollis. Like they can't just run from their problems. And I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but it's it was kind of like, uh, you know, Naira, she has a lot of money and mm-hmm. through that she has privilege. And so I would personally rather see her take advantage of that privilege and accept that privilege and be like, I can make a lot of change with this and I can do a lot of good with this privilege. And I want to see her responsibly use that privilege to make, you know, to improve systems to use her influence to just improve the overall situation in our tallest because she has the ability to do so to some extent mm. and so I would like to see her stay in our tallest and then with Bella I feel like she kind of like she could probably run away from our tallest but I personally really like the idea that she's gonna start an orphanage with Darcy's Mm. money Mm. and I think it would be such a good narrative circle for her character if she starts it would like be such a good way to tie off those threads if she like starts an orphanage or something like just or maybe like a service to help you know kids Mm. um so that way she can prevent um kids in the future you know great the great chapel kids in the future from being taken advantage of by men like Redcliffe and she can stop that cycle of abuse that happened with her mm. and I would like to see that but I don't know maybe they'll just run off <laughs> yeah so it, it's interesting because I, I I really hear the idea where you say you know that would be like a full circle arc and that would be like a great redemptive arc for her I don't know if I necessarily like the idea of every character becoming like a good perfect person by the end of the story mm-hmm. I think that real life has like so many types of people and some people like make it all the way to like you know nirvana and like self-understanding and like self-perfection and whatever and other people like only make it halfway there or like a quarter of the way there and I think that um for the story to be realistic you have to have some people never you know learn from their mistakes never learn to become better and some people only halfway so mm-hmm. I would be fine if like Bella and maybe Darcy or whoever don't actually become these like saints um mm-hmm. I don't think Bella is a saintly character <laughs> I think that she has a lot of flaws and I for me to see her become like this altruistic person she would have to change a lot and I don't know if that I find that realistic for someone like her 
um, especially because she's a secondary character. So mm-hmm. I just I just don't see it. But I I totally understand the the narrative satisfaction of her doing that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I was talking with one of my friends earlier, and we were kind of like discussing like, does every character need to be redeemed? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't really think so. It would it would be nice but is it necessary (laughs) um and I think with Bella it's kind of like she needs to stop the cycle of abuse with herself Mm. you know in Redcliffe before she can do that for others and Mm. so I think it's definitely it's way more important to see her you know be able to leave Redcliffe because that is her conflict right now Mm -hmm. it's more important for her to leave Redcliffe than you know for her to be able to help I, I just said this for her to be able to help us like you know on a plane you put if the air masks come down you mm-hmm. have to put yours right. on first before helping mm-hmm. someone else and I don't know because you know I as someone who likes Bella I am very biased and you know in the PH fandom there's a lot of love for Kieran mm-hmm. and you know people are always talking about like their happy endings for Kieran and how he's just going to grow old with Lauren and have like two kids. And, you know, you see that and you're like, I kind of want that for Bella, but is it realistic? Right. <laughs> Not really. Um, but yeah, I maybe it's like an epilogue thing. And because Bella has gotten so much development lately or so much more exploration for like being a side character, I, maybe it is in the realm of possibility that she does open that orphanage because the idea of an orphanage being opened has kind of been very popular within the fandom for many years not necessarily with Bella Nera but it is an ongoing idea and I wouldn't be surprised if it did happen in the comic but yeah I agree I don't know if Bella is going to get to that point (laughs) and I think right now with you know 75 to maybe like 120 episodes left of the comic it is kind of early to say (laughs) but I would like to see her get to that point and I would love to see that journey if Mm. that journey is going to be something that is part of her narrative right and it's it's funny because like yeah from I expect Kieran to have you know that arc but Kieran's also a main character so like Bella is I guess second second level character tertiary character but yeah, I kind of like expect a slightly less focus on her because of that. So it's another reason mm-hmm. why I don't think she will get that complete arc. Plus also, if they were to show her having an altruistic side, like they should have put in some parts of it before. I don't, she hasn't been shown to be altruistic at all, except mm-hmm. for this episode, honestly. <laughs> so um, so yes, I just don't think that that's something, a direction they're going in. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm about to sneeze. <laughs> Okay, I don't think it's coming. I don't know. Um, that's something I'm wondering about a lot because there's always a lot of comparison between Bella and Kieran, right? Because they come from very similar circumstances. Um, they do very similar things. And, you know, for... They, they are narrative foils to each other. Like, that is kind of undeniable. But... Um, my mind just blanked. I forgot where I was going. I think I, where I, were, altruism. So you might yeah, okay, altruism. Okay, so yeah, but like in Kieran, you know, it's always said that like 
yeah, Karen has like so much regret, you know, and it's very clear, right? This has been a main focus of his character for like since basically the first episode, the the prologue when I saw him holding a purple eyes. Yeah, the whole comic is called Purple Eyes, and, and <laughs> it, it's yeah, it's about he has a lot of regrets, and his character has a lot of you know humanity attached to it, which we ne- we haven't necessarily seen with Bella, and yeah, that is a very valid point, you know, Bella does not seem like a very uh, kindly person. And I kind of agree with that. But I think there is also like a bit of a conversation to be held about how Kieran is a lot more emotionally open than Bella is. To an extent, like he's able to be emotional with himself and he, you know, is able to acknowledge emotion with himself Mm. because yeah, we haven't really seen Bella have a lot of regrets. But on the flip side of that, we haven't really seen Kieran uh, be kind of exposed to 15 years of what was emotional abuse, most likely, from Redcliffe. It could have happened, you know, from someone else, but we haven't seen it yet. And um, with Bella, we are starting to slowly understand more of her situation and why maybe she's not as regretful as Kieran and a lot of that I do believe has to do with Redcliffe slash Apostle 7 like in episode 91 he says emotions will only get you killed Mm. so he has not fostered an environment for Bella where it is kind of safe for her to express emotions or you know where it would be encouraged for her to be emotionally truthful with herself Mm -hmm. because you know it's either you're emotional and you die or you're not and you can survive Mm -hmm. and you know that's part of the manipulation Mm -hmm. and I just realized my icon is missing I don't know why (laughs) on the zoom meeting my little profile pic of Mara the Shira show she's not here um (laughs) I don't know why we could wait for you to put her on. Um, yeah, Zoom is asking me to sign in, but I'm too lazy for that. Okay. <laughs> um, so about what you said, I think that what you say is definitely true, and I'm sure it accounts for some part of her blaseness or like her toughness or her rigidity. Um, but I also think that Kieran happens to be an exceptionally emotionally person. Like I've always said that mm-hmm. he's the kind of person who's like a poet and the fact mm-hmm. that he's an artist. So I think that Kieran is very, very emotional. And yeah, we don't know his background, right? So it could very well be that he was raised in a loving, healthy environment until he got sucked into the phantom side and then was abused. So which would give him a little bit more of a stable start to life, which could explain that. But I think also it's, it's inherent personality. Like people react differently mm-hmm. to the same situation. Like, you know, my family is all like Holocaust survivors and like everyone reacted differently. Some people, you know, never talked about it. Some people talked talk about it all the time. Some people became bitter. Some people just became nicer. Like everyone reacted differently to the same experience because they're different personalities. So I think that Kieran and Bella are also just different inherently, like by nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess like this part of this conversation is kind of hinging on the fact that we don't really know Kieran's backstory. But I also feel like when it comes to regret, we can't fully, or like right now with the information that we do have, I don't think it's, I don't think we are able to hold them to the same standard of like, you know, are they regretful enough? Because, you know, yeah, they come from similar 
circumstances, but they are, you know, very different people and they've had very different experiences within those circumstances. And with Bella, you know, we've kind of seen this exploration of her character and her relationship to violence, where violence was sort of a means of survival for her. You know, it was a me to her violence was how you are powerful. You know, her father would, <laughs> her, her father would express violence and he was a very powerful figure over her. And, you know, she says that the apostle made her powerful. And we know that the apostle or not actually don't know, but it's very heavily implied that the apostle was the one who gave her the dagger, which is a means yeah. of violence. And so, you know, as someone, you know, Bella was, seemed pretty helpless as a child you know mm-hmm. and through the apostle he as she says later in this episode like he kind of gave her everything you know she owes mm-hmm. she owes him her life you know so like this he empowered her through all right sorry okay um i have no idea where we were bella her father how she wasn't yeah afraid. okay so yeah bella and Radcliffe. you know we haven't really Okay, part of this is like Kieran's backstory. It's like, who knows what is going on with that? We have gone maybe like three panels of flashbacks. And that's it. And a mention of a protectee. Let's continue this idea of a protectee. But otherwise, we kind of know like, we know nothing about Kieran. Um, Yeah. But with Bella, what we've really seen over the last season with all her appearances, um, has been this relationship with the apostle and so we haven't really seen Kieran right now maybe he will have this um kind of relationship but right now with what we know with Bella in this relationship with the apostle it makes sense for mm. her to not necessarily regret the kills and for me like I don't think that's a great thing because it's like she's doing some pretty horrible stuff but from Bella's point of view these kills are kind of earning her a lot of like you know it earns her safety and it earns her sort of protection mm-hmm. and so especially with the apostle who is kind of a parental figure from her she would want that from him so it's funny because like i have the I think I see Bella in a more negative light than you do, but I fully recognize, like, I always have an argument with my husband and where I'm, like, defending Kieran, and he's like, Kieran's a monster, how could you defend him? So I'm, I'm like, I recognize I have bias when it comes to Kieran, and I, I think you kind of have bias when it comes to, to Bella, so I think, you know, we all have our characters that we love, and, like, that's just it. We have our blinders on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe Bella actually is a horrible person. Um, I don't know, horrible. I think what you're saying is true. Mm-hmm. I just... You know, I think that you're yeah. inclined to view her more positively because you like. Oh her. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> my friend who I was talking to earlier when we were talking about like, do all people need to be redeemed? I told her I was like, look, I am. I know I am so biased towards <laughs> Bella. So if any of this is off base, I need you to vibe check me. Um, but yeah, I I remain hopeful for Bella, which is a very you know long fall if this all goes to hell (laughs) well i will say i think think for the story to be good we someone has to remain bad like 
Otherwise, it's not mm -hmm. realistic or impactful, right? We can't have everyone becoming a saint afterwards. So someone has to remain semi-bad or bad or messed up or something. <laughs> mm -hmm. And yeah, I think I would expect that to be maybe like the leader or like Apostle 7, but mm -hmm. not Bella because her situation with at least the Phantom Scythe is so similar to it's so similar to Kieran that and you know there's this whole theme that Sophie said of Purple High something about healing that mm -hmm. I would expect for their stories to both be about them sort of breaking the cycle of abuse that they experienced right. or if she's the foil then she could be the opposite right Kieran could be the yeah one or one. yeah or she's the opposite but but also even like you know if it's about healing her level of healing might stop at a certain point like mm -hmm. she might get this way and like people say here might get further because of either background personality whatever um i have a we we know someone who grew up like severely abused like insanely mm -hmm. abused. like you like it's just like i can't even repeat it because it's like you'll, you'll have nightmares mm -hmm. and he in his family life is uh, not healthy i would definitely say like he's never touched his kids like he's never hit his kids which for someone the way he grew up is like incredible but like most people will be like oh my god this guy is like emotionally abusive because he is um but like he went from this point to this point and that was like his life's work you know <laughs> like because mm -hmm. whatever it was like really crazy how he grew up so someone like bella she might not get to be you know altruistic orphanage mommy mm -hmm. person yeah here. <laughs> but yeah i with Bella, I think it's primarily breaking her cycle of abuse first, right. as we were discussing. But I would also like to see her not run from Artalis. I think she still has sort of like unfinished business with herself in that city. But also that city has kind of never done any shit for her. So well, if she does abandon it, I would be like, that is so slay of you, queen. Run yeah. off to the hills. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> awesome do you want to go on to the next scene i guess uh yeah so i think the next we? part is like where bella and darcy interact for the first time and you mm -hmm. know where darcy wants her to train her and bella's like no and then she does actually um you know she tells her okay i can tell you're not from here <laughs> um and then we you know we'll get to the present day thing so mm -hmm. yeah what did you think of that um i really liked the transition like where it was it went from you know Bella sort of like teaching her how to do it to Nero like flipping it on her and I was like that is that was such a good transition I really like that and it's funny and I mentioned this in the fandom Scythe server but because it's been like a year and three months since Bella C last interacted like in the same room <laughs> um i've had a lot of time to Wait, figure what? out it's been like, three months since what episode 88 slash 89 okay that was, was like thinking. april it was like i'm pretty sure that came out in like april 2021 so it has been wow. a while and well, because of that, that that has been a crazy while wow yeah <laughs> for fast pass at least maybe it was even in march um but around that time it either came out fast pass or not fast pass yeah. april 5th april, yeah 
Yeah. yeah anyways, it's probably uh, regularly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, because there has been so much time between their two meetups, I have had a lot of time to figure out my head cannons for what they were like. You know, and I, I was like, they met as teens, and they would run off in flower fields and make flower crowns for each other, and have all <laughs> these like secret meetings under the moonlight. And I guess some of it was true. They did kind of meet as teens. Uh, Nera is eighteen here. Bella is around nineteen. Um, but they're not making flower crowns. They're teaching no. each other self defense, which I'll take. I really like that. <laughs> um. And it is still wholesome. I like how you know, <laughs> Bella is kind of similar to how she is today still. You know, she has that swagger, you know, mm -hmm. she's pretty cold. She's like, what do you want? And she's like, I know, <laughs> you know. Um, but again, as we were talking about earlier, Neira is very, or she's like much more enthusiastic. She's like, oh my God, what? That was incredible. How did you do yeah. that? She's like very wide eyed. Um, yeah. Impressed. And I think that's a cute dynamic for them. We've got the jaded assassin and then the absolutely like amazed. Um, but not scared. You know, not not, scared. Yeah, not scared. That's very important. Not scared uh, princess. Mm -hmm. and she's, she's not really a princess, but you know. Um, <laughs> when well, Bella said, <laughs> maybe, maybe she's from another family or something. But yeah, when Bella said, I know, I know oh, the sorry, context. Wait. I said mm -hmm. a totally random joke. It's not totally random. So you know how um, my theory was that Kieran way back when I when I read Victor Hugo's book Men Who Last, <laughs> and I developed a theory that Kieran is like the royal who was in the way. Oh my god! Yeah. Right. So like, what if if Darcy is the princess? We always talk about how Kieran's skin gets darker and darker throughout the episode. One mm -hmm. day they'll their skin tone will be the same, and then we see that they're brother and sister. <laughs> oh my god! Okay. That's actually really funny because I remember when episode 86 came out mm -hmm. and I have never, maybe except for episode, the Yikes episode, but the comment section under episode 86 is horrifying. Like, it's, it's horrifying. There's, there's people like slandering Darcy. They're like, oh my God, you know, it's the lady. Who, or actually, no, it's more like. 67 where people are like oh my god Darcy's gonna get in the way of the kiwi ship we hate her um, <laughs> but in episode 86 I very clearly remember people in the comments being like is this Kieran wearing makeup or something like this is <laughs> like there's that's Kieran under that skin he's breaking into the party yeah. and <laughs> I have never been so scared <laughs> like I was oh my god but me you know, uh, yeah, flashbacks. Um, but yeah, I've I've been watching the Star Wars movie, rewatching the Star Wars movies recently over the last month. And so when Bella said, "I know," I was like, Han Solo. It was right. Han Solo. You know, Nera is Leia, and then she is Han Solo. It works so well, the scoundrel and the princess. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think this. The scene is kind of like very important for Bella hmm. with seeing like how enthusiastic Nera is. It's important for her because, you know, she probably doesn't really get this kind of reaction a lot. And I know you and Suki uh, talked about this on the podcast. Um, but 
you know, you kind of look at the relationships Bella has with like, you know, Kieran or the apostle and even like with state, um, they're not, I wouldn't say super positive relationships. Like I do, I do fully buy into the whole, like Kieran and Bella are like siblings Mm -hmm. dynamic. Like I love them and they are my favorite duo, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't. I keep thinking of that too. The salon. <laughs> yeah, um, I just posted some Kieran and Bella art yes. where they're dressed up as Team Rocket too. So you know, I I love that dynamic. But um, I wouldn't say that they have the most supportive relationship. <laughs> you know, like she kicks him quite a few times um, in episode one fifteen. Hmm. So you know, with Nera, with Nera, it's maybe like a bit of a breath of fresh air right she hasn't just she hasn't really ever been exposed to someone who's been like so you know happy around her maybe like it's just like who is this lost puppy but I think that that does play a very significant role in that will probably play a very significant role in their relationship because it just is something that's so new for Bella especially like you know Neyra thanks her and Suki mentioned that you know that's probably not something that she's heard a lot in her life mm-hmm. all right what do you think is the reason that Bella um helped her to begin with oh okay so yeah I have a big section on this mm-hmm. so there was you know a theory that maybe she was the kill right mm-hmm. and so there are these guys that were interfering with her kill Um, if they're interfering like let them just do it right let them do her job i think it's because like i don't know it's a convoluted theory that probably isn't true but it's kind of like you know she's supposed to be the one to do it um the apostle would know if she wasn't the one to do it and maybe there are consequences for that Mm -hmm. but yeah um yeah i don't know that theory falls apart by the it seems the more I think about it <laughs> but um I I feel like there are just so many options with this or like maybe roads that this could go that maybe we'll find out in the future I was thinking that maybe Bella noticed a lot of, of Bella, uh, neighbors features that she points out later on about like you know her hair and her hands but I don't know if she and that maybe she was like curious about like hey why is this noble woman um getting attacked by these guys right um who is she and that's kind of like Kieran probably and why he didn't kill Lauren he's like oh who is this girl and so but I just don't know how much Bella could have assessed from where she was on the rooftops maybe she just has 40 20 vision or something you know (laughs) Um, binoculars you know that's yeah. the, the between that episode the opera episode and this episode she always carries binoculars where she, where she goes <laughs> mm-hmm. um maybe so it's like that I don't know how likely that is again because the logistics of it just seem a little extreme mm. so who knows but maybe it's maybe it is she just genuinely wanted to help Nera which would be a really good indicator about Bella's character Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not entirely sure right now why she would like 
you know, just genuinely help someone. Because again, like it feels like, you know, she's maybe like, because I should be the one who's like, yeah, she's actually a good person at heart. But, you know, just given everything, it's kind of like, if the mission wasn't related to Nira or the guys, then, you know, what are even the chances that she would come across them? Mm. And why would she be willing to interrupt her mission to go help this woman? But also maybe it's that Bella kind of understood what situation Nero was in because you know she's a phantom scythe assassin and she's been doing this for maybe like even since the phantom scythe started so I would not she probably actually has been doing this since the phantom scythe started so she would have been around 14 because Herman or March in one of the early 80 episodes say that the golden viper venom has been in use for 10 years so that was probably Bella um and there's actually I should also say that there's a line um when Bella's learn from this scene where Bella's first introduced where Bella says that yeah I'm testing out this new venom called the golden viper venom and maybe we don't know if it's a continuity error but saying that if the person from 10 years ago is still Bella and she's been the one who has been using um the golden viper for these 10 years then yeah she would have been about 14 and so you know 14 a bit questionable to be doing assassinations and I wouldn't be surprised if she had gotten herself into trouble more than a few times so maybe she just kind of related to that situation like she saw this happening with Naira and she knew what it was like for her right because she had been in that before because again like a lot of people seem to know who Naira is and what her deal is as a spy a lot of people seem to recognize Karen as well so it would not be far-fetched to say that Bella is also known as an assassin maybe not these maybe these guys didn't know her but you know maybe other people knew her that's interesting right they, they recognized Darcy or one of them recognized Darcy but not Bella mm-hmm. yeah um I I always think about how Isof one time like last year said during a stream that it was during I think she was drawing that like group illustration it's like pretty it's a sketch of um the four main couples of Belarcy, Lula, Kiwi, and Lockie mm-hmm. um and like Darcy is eating Kieran's Pocky I, I think it's Pocky or something and during that stream Soph yeah I think Soph had said that Bella if it weren't for everything that she had gone through she would have had a personality more akin to Lila's. And I think about that a lot. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. So maybe, maybe, maybe that will change your perception of will Bell is, is Bella actually a good person or not? Because Hmm. I think that, yeah, Bella has a lot of capacity for doing good things. It's just, she doesn't really have a lot of opportunities or if she's given opportunities, it's not really like she can take them because there are consequences that she cannot risk. Interesting. I don't know. I, I guess if I was an author, if I was, if Bella was born with a personality like Lila's, I would, she would probably have died <laughs> like way earlier. I, I you know, I, Bella is a very resilient person, a very tough person. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think Lila could withstand that kind of life. Well, but, I think again it's kind of like if Bella hadn't gone through 
everything that she'd gone to because I think a very important aspect about Bella's character is that she adapts and she takes steps to ensure her survival. Like, you know, when Redcliffe offered her his hand, she took it. She was out of there mm-hmm. and it worked kind of, it kind of worked out for her. Like she, she was out of Great Chapel and that was what was important to her at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Bella, Bella had to learn and she had to adapt and she had to survive. And I think that is very important to understanding why she is the way she is today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I still don't think she's like born like Lila, but whatever. Mm-hmm. That's an issue comment. <laughs> um yeah, so in my notes I put on like <laughs> in my notes I said Bella would need the nose of a dog to pick up on a perfume from like the rooftop. So yeah, I was I don't know if it's really she was curious about Nera, but that would be interesting. She was like, who, yeah, again, who is this lady? Um, because she has a very good assessment of her. And that leads us into the transition, which brings us back to present day. Mm-hmm. And I did notice that it doesn't fully look like the instructions match up with what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like kind of a bit of a different scenario, but yeah that was interesting I kind of like I really like that panel of where it's just you know after Nera like right where Nera is her locked against the wall mm. and they're just staring at each other and then she releases her and I was like oh man that was that was good that was good yeah. um, I think uh, you know I think Bella also doesn't really react so much like she kind of mm-hmm. lets Darcy do that to her um yeah I think it's because it's Darcy, you know, like it's not it's not some random person who actually wants to harm her. So I think she's like allowing herself. And I think maybe there's a part of her that I don't know if wants to be touched or like wants to have that, you know, she wants to have a conversation with her, right? She obviously wants to tell her something. So it's it's kind of funny how technically, I mean like <laughs> it's kind of funny how like Bella literally like she grabbed Ava's wrist and she pushed her against the wall covered her mouth and she was like shut up yeah. i'm pretty sure she said she said shut up she's like shut up and then technically like you know they didn't just go through that flashback so nero was like there and she just flipped it on bella and she was like all right i'm the one asking questions now mm-hmm. <laughs> like bella i don't know what you're doing but yeah and especially all like bella just you know bella allows her to do that um but yeah so bella says the first thing after that and I find that interesting you know Darcy kind of lets her she she lets Bella speak first Mm -hmm. because again there's that moment of silence between them and there's a very like Darcy in this scene she wants answers Mm -hmm. so it makes sense for her to let Bella speak because maybe what Bella is going to give her is the information that she wants on why uh, why she left right it's possible also that she doesn't she knows that if she pushes Bella too much Bella will be uncooperative so she's letting mm-hmm. her take control a little bit mm-hmm. 
I love I love Nara's little smirk when she's like, "You'd be disappointed if I didn't use your own tricks on you." Yeah. And then she's like, "What are you doing here?" Like, you know, it's a bit more. It seems like more conversational. She seems pretty like genuinely happy to like see that Bella is here. Yeah. Um, and me too. I'm I'm genuinely happy to see Bella here with her as well. It's like pain, pain and happiness at the same time, you know, mm-hmm. like when you're yeah. fighting with your lover, right? You <laughs> hate them and love them at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I've definitely been in that situation. So I don't, I don't think you can hate someone unless you have strong feelings for them. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Bella, like she completely cuts her off. She's like, what were you doing here with Redcliffe? And I don't want to go like full panel by panel, but it is kind of like this, this, I mean, this is, is very pivotal this whole scene. yeah this whole sequence is very like there's a lot to it <laughs> so maybe we should go panel by panel here I'm fine with that okay um and i really like how nara like her smile just drops when she hears the mention of Redcliffe. she's like are you serious this is why you came back to me like so you <laughs> could ask me about this man like ugh, come on <laughs> Right? Like um, the guy who got them separated to begin with, and now, yeah, it's like you're not here for me, girl. <laughs> you like, literally, she's like, you you finally stop ignoring me because of him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, Bella Bella is very assertive. She's like, stay away from him. Or she's like, stay away from him. And Bella and Nera challenges her. She's like, why? And then we see Bella say, just stay the fuck away from him not again this is me asking for bella and era to be able to say fuck uncensored they deserve it kieran got to do it oh, he it's did? their turn it's oh, their turn <laughs> oh kieran did it in episode 68 <laughs> that <laughs> is one of the few episodes where i know that there was an no, uncensored star. <laughs> I legit never paid attention to whether it is or isn't a star, but that's interesting. Yeah, I remember reading that episode for the first time and I was like, oh, oh my god, they let him say it. <laughs> Hi, Wait, so, I mean, the thing that really struck me about this, not more than like asterisk or no asterisk, was that yeah. Bella is losing control. She's usually so calm, yeah. collected, but she is just getting emotional and she can't control herself. She doesn't have any good reason. She doesn't have a snarky cutback. She's just like panicked. Yeah, and that is the thing about Nair. We have never seen Bella so emotional, um, except when it's with Nera. And even with Kieran, she still had a level of composure. Like, yeah, she she kicked him in the chest a few times, but he was making hypotheticals about never getting killed so i don't know makes sense but even so like she was very like serious you know yeah. it's not it's like she did it as a choice like it wasn't she mm-hmm. didn't kick him because she lost control yeah. of herself. she she chose to do it and he's just a yeah. person. <laughs> she she was it's like siblings in my opinion yeah like hitting each other like <laughs> she, she knew what she was doing but you know in episode 88 we see her stutter um Nera's name mm-hmm. and in episode 89 she when she gets into the trailer she turns her back and she's facing the door and you just see this panel of her heart racing and then she turns around and she gets composed but you know even then it's kind of like very stressful 
between her and Nera, and Bella just completely leaves at one point, leaving Nera behind. Um, and Bella has been in more like higher or like more emotional, high stakes emotional situations before, you know, again, like with Kieran and then, you know, with the Apostle, but she does maintain composure in those scenes. And I think that might be because with Nera, she's never had to worry about, you know, being stoic. Like she's always had a lot of freedom to be genuinely emotional, maybe, because, you know, Nera is kind of like her healthiest relationship. And I'm going to get into that a little bit down the road. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, Nera doesn't really have any expectations of her to be like, you know, super chill and composed and stoic. So I think she lets loose a little here because that's just what she's used to. Hmm. Could be. I mean, I'm not sure. I would have to see like their relationship as it developed because I'm very curious mm-hmm. what did their relationship get to, right? Because mm-hmm. if Bella actually had a real relationship with Darcy, that would mean that she was vulnerable. That would mean she was caring, loving. And then to step away from that, like that's a very big thing to give up, which it, it means if you were, if you, she was able to actually have a real relationship with Nera, it means that there is a human in there that's functionally capable of having that. So I'm curious. I don't, I don't, from the way they're talking, it seems they had something. I don't know if they got to the, like, I actually love you part, or if it was just like the attraction that was like tense and built up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think by the time that they left it off, it was probably like borderline, if not more romantic, because Bella does call her dear mm. in episode 89. Which is, you know, that's a pretty good indicator of the relationship. You know, I don't call my friends dear unless it's like a joke or something. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like, how, I guess it could be like how Kieran calls Lauren darling. Right. All the time. But, <laughs> yeah. We were like jumping on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe it, it was probably, I would guess it to be a very, emotional relationship because Kieran kind of makes some comments about how Bella still has like emotional attachments in episode 115 Mm. and again uh, Redcliffe said that emotions will only get you killed and I'm pretty sure that line comes after how he brings up um Nera and he's like you know I hope she hasn't upset you again I you know I and I hope you're not upset for me because I just did what was best for you um emotions will only get you killed mm-hmm. and so I would guess that it was a pretty vulnerable relationship maybe not fully open because it seems like Bella still has a lot of things that she's keeping from Nera that I'll also get into in a second, but it. I think Bella was, this relationship was Bella's opportunity to actually feel like a regular person. Hmm. But my, my guess would be that they never got to the regular relationship stage. 
simply because Bella knows she can't have it. So I would guess that they probably were like extremely attracted to each other, maybe spent a lot of time with each other and did like develop a relationship without admitting that they were in a relationship. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I feel like Bella would probably never say like, I love you, never get to that point because she knows that she can't have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to think that Bella RC have already kissed before. Mm. But I could also kind of see it as, you know, it's kind of implied that we're going to get more flashback scenes between them at the end of the episode. But I would guess that maybe they came very close to kissing because Purple Hyacinth loves its almost kisses. Mm -hmm. Um, They came very close to kissing and that scared Bella so much that she Mm -hmm. just like completely backed out and she was like, oh, hell no, this is, I have done yeah this is this I can't do this (laughs) and then when they eventually make up they will get their first kiss Hmm. but also I like I'm still kind of holding on to the idea of like you know young Belarcy and kissing because that is that was a headcanon and dear to my heart Hmm. yeah so I think what what were you you mentioned something that you were going to talk about uh, or we could just continue with the scene. Yeah, it's probably coming down this later down the scene. Yeah, so um, she asks her why, Darcy asks her why she's so scared. And then, you know, Bella does show like a lot of emotion. She just like covers her head and says, Nero, please. Just yeah, she's pleading. Like, yeah, she sounds desperate. Like, there, so here's the thing we talked about on the podcast. Suki had this theory that maybe Bella knows something that Red Force is planning, that like a specific thing. Um, so that's why she's so desperate for her to stay away. Not just meaning, not just the threat that he made previously, where he's like, "Oh, you're know, he distracted you." Blah, blah. So, do you think that there's actually something specific, or do you think it's just that? I, I kind of just thought that it was because Redcliffe made some implied threats to Nera's life. Mm. And I thought, <laughs> and I thought like everyone was thinking that, but I guess not. Um, but. I wrote a list a couple days ago on why it is most likely that. Let me see if I can find it. But I'm pretty sure that it's just because, you know, Redcliffe has made some threats mm-hmm. to Mayor's life. Yeah, I think that's um, mm-hmm. I thought, but why doesn't Bella tell her, though? I mean, I, I, I personally am all about, like, you know, just communicate, just say what you think, say the truth, like, tell her, right? If you're worried that Redcliffe will kill her, say, hey, I Redcliffe threatened you. Like, why doesn't she tell her? Um, I'm thinking that it would be because Nera doesn't know that Bella's in the Phantom Scythe, and so she doesn't want to. She doesn't want Nera to be panicked, and she probably also thinks that she can handle it by herself. You know, there's no need for Nera to ever know, right? Mm-hmm. If she can just handle it. Um, okay, found the list. So, yeah, just why I think this is the reason I think that Bella wants Nair to stay away. And these are the signs that Redcliffe has been blackmailing Bella with threats of harm to Darcy. So he lets Bella know that he has eyes on her in the episode right before Redcliffe's interaction, introduction, episode 90. It is fully established that the Phantom Scythe uses personal connections against its members. Mm. Um Kieran explicitly suggests the possibility of Redcliffe causing harm to Neyra by ordering to kill her. And, you know, 
Bella demand here in this episode, Bella demands that Nerys stay away from Redcliffe, and she's terrified that, uh, as she asks, and she's unable to give reasoning, just saying that Nair would regret it if she didn't keep distance. Um, and plus, there's just there's also Bella telling Nair to never come back, mm-hmm. and I think also another reason why she may not fully let near know about why uh, or why she's trying to stay away and about reckless threats is because Nera has connections to the nobility you know if Kieran could run a background check on Lauren I would not be surprised if mm-hmm. Bella could run a background check on Nera who is arguably probably way more well known than Lauren mm-hmm. and you know Redcliffe with mm, Nira's uh, connections to the royals and then thus to the police. If she told Nira that Redcliffe was a dangerous individual, it would probably not be long before, you know, the police showed up on Redcliffe's doorstep or started doing investigations on Redcliffe that could put him behind bars. And I think that Redcliffe is kind of someone that Bella still needs in her mm-hmm. life, right? Which she, is she ironic. Does not betray him, mm-hmm. and I will get into why she won't betray him again because I I have these notes, but um, it, it's ironic because Bella can claim that she would kill Redcliffe in a heartbeat if he mm-hmm. um, had if he was actually going to hurt Nira, or she can be like working with the leader against him. But I still think that because of her past with Redcliffe, there is a part of her that in because of the manipulation, it, there is kind of part of her that still clings to him. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. Which is actually what I really like about that dynamic because it's a complicated one. He gave mm-hmm. her everything, he rescued her, and he's manipulative. Like it's it's a complex relationship and I think it's very realistic and I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's I, I just I love everything about Bella's character and that includes the relationships that her three primary relationships with Neira, Kieran, and Apostle 7. I don't think that, I think that they're all magnificently done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this episode is, is great. It's the great dramatic moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Darcy like steps forward. She doesn't want her to disappear. Right. She's like been mm-hmm. trying to speak to her for a while and she just doesn't and mm-hmm. uh, allow her to. And now she finally can she literally backs her into the corner. <laughs> and then I'm sure this moment was um, very exciting for you. She gives her a hug. But mm-hmm. how did you react when you, when you saw that? I was like, oh my, I was like, oh shit. I was like, whoa, because it kind of went from a little threatening, you know, like Nera's pose a bit higher than Bella. Um, and Bella's like, she has her arm back, like she's about to lean on to something and Nera's taking a step forward and the text is bolded and slanted or italicized. Um, but then, you know, wonders and wonders, like she hugs her. There's no, there's nothing really threatening. Like it was a bit of a threatening panel, but then it kind of like subverts that. And it's like, she actually goes mm-hmm. in for a hug and um, I think that is, I, I'm really saving all of like the, my big idea for 
a couple panels down, (laughs) but it is like important to note that this is probably a reason why Bella cares so much for Neyra because, you know, she has a very, very violent background Mm -hmm. and she is used, she's used to violent consequences. You know, we've seen Kieran um, in very, in, you know, torture flashbacks and you know, her con- we've seen Redcliffe threaten consequences. And so Nera's kind of like the one that like kind of the, she breaks that mold from that. And she actually shows Bella affection, even though she is frustrated with Bella. And even though she is so like lost on what Be- what has been going on with Bella. Mm-hmm. And, and I, yeah. like this builds Sorry, our personality because mm-hmm. her personality um in the flashback was like open-eyed and very open and very honest with her feelings like not ashamed to be effusive and positive and so this is like a continuation of that and now that i think back on it the way that darcy was with will also very open very honest right in public mm-hmm. she had to pretend she put on a show and she was like oh hoity-toity but you know apparently in reality she's a very direct like open kind of loving person Mm -hmm. and I think that makes for such a good dichotomy with Bella because you know Bella has kind of had her personality sort of shaped by others right Mm -hmm. like particularly Apostle Seven or Redcliffe and she doesn't really live for herself and that is what Neyra kind of points out later like you know everything that you've done you owe it to yourself but like you know you don't acknowledge that and that makes I feel like that makes for such a good contrast between them because Neyra has accepted who she is right she knows what she wants and when obstacles are put in her way she is very direct right and she's very much like straight to the solution right she tells will like yo this is never gonna work out between us right mm-hmm. you know i think you're chill and all and you're fine but i'm gay this will literally never work so we shouldn't even try um and you know she doesn't hold it against will she's like yo i know we're we're both stuck in this situation but you know now that we've figured that out I hope that we can be friends, right? She tries to find good out of these situations too. And that's not really like Bella. And so, you know, I think Bella seeing that in Nera or maybe Nera sort of like she sees Bella and she's like, she realizes that like, hey, I'm going to live for myself because I recognize that this situation is happening and I don't want that to be like me. But I also want to show that it is possible to live like this to this person that I care about. Mm. Yeah, it's great. It's great to see like the contrast between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Bella is like completely flabbergasted. I found these panels very evocative in like the mm-hmm. emotions. And you know, what's interesting. One thing that I didn't notice the first time is that so Bella is shocked and then um, Darcy tightens the hug, kind of like expecting a response, being like prompting her. And Bella picks up her arms and like starts to hug Darcy back, but then she drops her hands. And I didn't notice at first because um, that panel was in between. And I'm like, wait, Bella didn't reciprocate. Yeah, and we almost see her. Like she lifts her arms up and she even like 
close begins to close them but then sorry but then she drops it like she came so close like she wants it so bad but she just can't and I remember like when I saw her tightening the Mm -hmm. hug Darcy tightening the hug I I kind of almost thought of it as like maybe this is Darcy just trying to have Bella for just this moment because she knows that right now it just can never work and Bella makes it seem like it will never ever work but you know for this moment she can hold Bella again because you know it's been two years which is like almost half of the time that they've known each other yeah um yeah it's been so long she didn't she didn't know if Bella was safe or you know she didn't know if Bella was alive and you know she's come so close to being around Bella again that now she just she just wants to have this moment even if it is on very shaky territory that's kind of how I saw the tightening but also like that you know just kind of encouraging her to reciprocate yeah interesting because like that when I first saw that face um that Bella made not that Darcy made I had a very similar thought to what you just said about Darcy because I saw that I in my head I thought that she finished the hug and I thought that Bella's face was like okay this is the only chance I'm going to be able to get before I have to say no to her and before I have to stop and you know push her away so I'm going to relish in this moment and like enjoy the hug for now Mm -hmm. so yeah so that's what I thought like that Bella's shut eyes you know that she was like okay I'm going to relish in this moment I'm going to have it for now before I have to push her away what what did her expression has yeah like I actually kind of agree like that like even Bella she's like she can't hold Nira right now but she can feel her right because Nira's Mm -hmm. hugging her but I also kind of saw her shutting her eyes as like her moment of contemplation she's like Mm -hmm. what do I do right now do I close my arms fully and embrace her or do I drop my arms do Mm -hmm. I accept Nira and do I accept kind of like the comfort and the acceptance that that she brings and do I you know do I accept that maybe I don't want the life that I'm in and I want to be with her or do I stand by or like do I stick to what I've been doing do I stay where I am and do I return to what I've sort of always known Yeah, I don't don't even think that that she allowed that that across her mind. I think it's literally just a battle between the mind and the heart. I think that she knows intellectually, like she's very clear and adamant about the fact we can't be together. We can't be together. But I think just her heart wants it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And she's even silent until Nera, when she drops her arm, she stays silent until Nera starts talking. Yeah. Like her defeated and yeah I, yeah they are still hugging and i find this line very interesting where she said where Nera says why don't you leave him i know you're the reason you you're avoiding me you left me two years ago because of him and i think i mentioned this earlier but i find it interesting how Nera and radcliffe kind of blame um the fallout the belarcy fallout on each other Rightcliff kind of like he's like yeah I kind of did it but you know it was she was the one who upset you but it's kind of like again as I mentioned earlier 
uh, Redcliffe in 91, he mentions how Nera did something to upset Bella. And then mm-hmm. I don't fully remember what he says, but he was like, I hope you don't mind what I did. You know, I only, it was something like, I only want to help you or something like emotions are only going to get you killed. I had to mm-hmm. do it. Something like that. Mm-hmm. And so Redcliffe acknowledges that he had a part in that fallout. But I think he's also sort of like, it was the girl who was the one who upset you. You know, you don't actually mind that I stepped in. Um, and then here, Nera kind of seems that she actually doesn't know that she was, she upset Bella in some way. Because she's like, I know he's the reason you're avoiding me. Not, I know that I did something that hurt you. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't put a, put a past Redcliffe to like completely BS about that. Yeah. Like, frame it so that she but like it's just made out of a cold cloth yeah I yeah I could also totally see like Nera doing something that maybe Redcliffe found out about or maybe like Bella told him or I don't know somehow Nera did something that maybe was a little sketchy or something and Redcliffe was able to completely 180 it and turn it against Bella and like twist it in like a knife I mean, to uh-huh. me, honestly, the way I thought it, thought that Redcliffe met, I thought it was just, like, she upset you because, like, you were in love with her, and, like, she mm-hmm. kind of upset the equilibrium. Not oh. that she did anything bad, but that, like, she made you emotional, and I can't have that. <laughs> yeah, actually, that would make sense. It's so, man, I'm embarrassed to say that, but I didn't even think of it that way. It's been a year and three months. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, that would make so much sense. Um so yeah I think I think it's a lot of times it's like because it's like when you have hope then suddenly you get upset with your current situation like mm-hmm. if you've accepted your fate you're and then you just continue on that path you know you might be you might be like depressed on the inside but you're like okay I'm just going to continue being an assassin but like Bella but sorry N- N- Nera would have been giving her hope and then suddenly your whole life is in the tumult and like her emotions are high and then she's like dissatisfied with her life and then she doesn't want to be an assassin anymore so then it's like oh, 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 oh. wait she's now you're now you're upset now we have to mm-hmm. yeah and I kind of like how it's kind of ironic almost too how like Rycliffe and Nera are both like they're the bad one <laughs> you know like um you know here here we have Nera accusing Redcliffe probably rightly so uh accusing Redcliffe of splitting them up and um I like how this we learn in this episode how Nera is actually aware of Redcliffe because there was we didn't know that much before like how to the extent that Nera knew about Bella's relationship with Redcliffe and so now we kind of we get uh, more of a picture on that though it seems like she only knows Redcliffe as you know the circus founder and not really the apostle again because of our conversation earlier about whether Nera knows Bella is p.s right yeah i mean she says like that he gave me her into his entire life but like yeah that's very easy like he rescued me from great travel put me in the circus yeah mm-hmm. so yeah right here is the section that i want to talk about mm-hmm. so this is what yeah i had some this is what kind of like really struck me oh, so we have Bella say he gave me my entire life he got me out of the hellhole I was born in I owe him everything Mm -hmm. um 
and just give me a second to find this because it, I, this thing is very long. And so, yeah, here we go. Um, so we kind of talked earlier about Bella maybe having a moral code when she stepped in to save uh, Neyra. Like maybe she just did it out of, you know, genuine, she was just genuinely trying to help her. But what I've kind of noticed recently, and even Suki, like, kind of, like, off, sort of, like, she mentioned it, um, Mm -hmm. is there is a bit of a theme of debt with Bella's character. Mm. And so Bella is someone who has survived off of transactional and conditional love, Mm -hmm. which is, as it sounds, like, you know, for example, with her bio father, she would earn money in exchange for presumably shelter and safety from his drunken violence. Um, you know, maybe she wasn't fully immune to it, but she would still probably have shelter, right? She had that relationship, um, you know, and for in order to be kept around, Bella had to enable his drinking addiction in some way. So again, it was transactional relationship right there. In the circus, Bella had to exchange, uh, sorry, had to perform in exchange for food and shelter. And, you know, at the time she would have had nowhere else to go because she was still pretty young. You know, she couldn't go back to grade chapel. That was not an option for her. So again, transactional relationship, she provides a service and she receives safety in return mm-hmm. and survival um and then in the phantom size uh, bella commits murders in exchange for money and probably like acceptance from apostle seven and maybe even the leader and um you know with she needs that money so she can eventually leave and although she has claimed that the driver her apostle has since died she still considers herself in deeply in his debt because she's like, I owe him, you know, because I'm kind of reading so that if I sound a bit robotic right now, that's why, um, because Bella has always had to provide something in order to gain something. Many of her relationships are balanced on this transactional system, even outside of the apostle. Um, we see this with Kieran even because in 115, um, Kieran says, you also so owe me remember to Bella Mm-hmm. and in mm-hmm. 124 this is with the apostle 124 in response to bella saying how he gave her everything Rycliffe says something you should never forget uh these debts are held over bella's head and so maintaining that transactional balance is incredibly important to her because through this transactional balance is how she has survived so through this transactional balance is how she's going to continue to survive probably mm-hmm. that's her method um, so in 115, in response to Kieran, she says, I'll pay you back in time. So she is intent on mm-hmm. making her end of the bargain. Mm-hmm. And although we don't know, sorry, oh, my although we don't know what that would be with Kieran, because we just don't know enough about that situation yet with Radcliffe for her to pay him back it would literally just mean her life like she owes him her life and as she said like he gave me my entire life and she says I owe him everything um oh I just love a totally dramatic scenario for her yeah so like Bella owes him you know devotion and loyalty like that's probably what she perceives that she owes him Mm -hmm. um 
To turn her back on Radcliffe would be to betray this moral code of transaction. Bella can claim whatever she wants about what she would do to Radcliffe in any situation, but even when Darcy, arguably the most important person to her, is begging her to leave Radcliffe behind, Bella is simply unable to do so despite her assertions that she would murder Radcliffe for Darcy. Mm. Radcliffe has Bella kind of tied to the end of a string, all because of her perceived life debt to him, which she is intent to pay back if she even can. Mm. And yeah, this all of this kind of makes me think that Bella is almost more of a, she has a lawful neutral sort of side to mm. her because of how like these 150, 115 124 and 130 have all kind of like built up this new facet of her and you know as we were talking about earlier uh and suki mentioned in the original podcast how nera thanks her and how it's probably the first time in a while if not ever that someone has thanked bella and this is why bella sees such a wonderful dichotomy to bella's other relationships because it presents bella with an actual healthy dynamic Mm. Um, that's not really transactional Bella uh, Nera appreciates Bella's help when she saves Nera and she expresses gratitude. Uh, when Nera reaches out to Bella for help in 89, she doesn't guilt trip or manipulate Bella when Bella refuses her. Nera lets Bella leave, and although Nera does return with her little note card, Nera respects Bella's space and does not attempt in person communication again until Bella is the one who initiates it. So she respects her space. Yeah. I, I just said that. <laughs> um, the one thing I think that like Nera doesn't necessarily feel entitled to Bella's time I think like she goes out to her and she asks for help but you know if Bella refuses her then she's like okay I'm just I won't come to you like in person again um and I think with this episode I could see Nera feeling maybe entitled to answers from Bella on why Bella disappeared for two years which I almost feel is kind of justified given how they had a seemingly romantic relationship before that disappearance and a and you know good communication is kind of what you want in that in any sort of relationship um and you know if so just disappears on you out of the blue it's like yeah you're gonna want answers and you know it's kind of shitty for them to just leave (laughs) Um, and you know an explanation is deserved but also Nera doesn't impose any consequences if she doesn't get one. Right. Um, as you see, if she threatened her, that would be yeah. bad taste. <laughs> yeah. Like she doesn't, she doesn't threaten her. She doesn't be like, I'm going to just walk out that door and hate you for the rest of my life. Because instead what she does is she hugs Bella showing how, although she may not fully understand or even know why Bella left her, she still loves her regardless. And that Mm -hmm. acceptance will not wane because Bella is unable to give that explanation. Mm -hmm. And I think because of that, there is some aspect of trust that Nera has in Bella. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that although Nera may not have um, a heavy favor, I believe that although Nera may not like Redcliffe that much she does trust Bella in these matters because she doesn't because although she doesn't understand but she wants to and so she has a bit of faith that Bella will know what to do she and as we see a little bit later in a couple panels down um, she can encourage Bella to leave him but she still respects Bella's autonomy in this situation and realizes that Bella can't leave him right now Mm -hmm. and that's kind of like the end of that whole thing (laughs) 
Yeah, I think that's great. And I, I mean, I really like that one at the end where she respects her autonomy. And I think that's 100% true. And that's like, it's such a contrast between between um, Redcliffe and Nero. Like they both want something out of Bella, right? But mm-hmm. they, want, they want Bella to be like theirs. But, you know, um, Redcliffe does it in a very manipulative way that puts her down and doesn't give her any respect. And Darcy does it in a very honest, direct way where she builds Bella up and wants the best for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, again, uh, that line from Radcliffe in 91, where he's like, yeah, I stepped in to end your relationship. What about it? I, you know, I hope it doesn't upset you. He doesn't trust Bella to make the right decisions for herself. Unless you know, he has influenced his decisions. <laughs> yeah. But how she can help him. Yeah, exactly. But here, even though, you know, Nera realizes that, like, hey, this relationship is probably failing. Um, I still respect you enough if you want, like, I still respect you to make this choice. And, you know, I don't know the situation, but I I trust you in this. Um, And I still care about you. Uh, No matter what, you can disappear on me for two years. I will, I will hug you. Mm. Yeah, that's Nera's great benefit. And hopefully Bella will you know, understand the difference between Radcliffe and her and be like, yeah, yeah, that's like such, all of this is such like, such a big reason why I just love Bella's character and just how she's written, because you can really draw all of these, not really, kind of like parallels, but not, but like contrast, you know, Mm. like where one character does this, this character does the complete opposite and how it just influences Bella's character. And you can really see that pull between these two sides with her. It's so well done. It's, yeah. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, after that, Nera says, but you hate him. I know you do. Mm-hmm. And Bella, Which, way, I think that it's such a brilliant line where, you know, you can hate someone and still feel mm-hmm. indebted to them. Yeah, it's very much a hate love relationship. I think with Bella yeah. and, and um, Redcliffe. I think that's true. A lot of like kids who have abusive parents. You know, there's a part of you that loves them, a part of you that hates them. Yeah, and like with um, with Bella, it's become more and more increasingly obvious that she is very unhappy in her situation. Um, we see her sort of more reserved in episode 124 and you know Rycliffe kind of picks up on this and she's like maybe I'm just you know not interested in killing useless people Hmm. and we also see her kind of like very neutral if not even a bit down in episode 88 when she's going after that one woman Mm. And so, yeah, at this point, this is when Bella finally pushes her away. And she says, Nera, stop, please stop. Again, another please. Um, She can't look at her, like, she's screwing her eyebrows. She's very emotional. This is probably a very hard thing for her to do, right? She was just in this embrace with Nera, and now she has to push her away, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I think it's a very good representation of Bella's conflict with Nero right now. And I think it works really nicely with the dialogue too, because mm-hmm. when they hug, it's like, 
you know, when they hug, it's kind of like, it's silent between them, right? There's no dialogue. And it's kind of like this moment of like, I accept you, right? As we were just saying, like, I, I trust you and I still love you. But here as the hug ends, it's, um, it's Bella rejecting that relationship. And she says, you and I, it was over a long time ago and it will stay that way. Mm -hmm. Damn. Right to the heart. Yeah. Yeah. Really sad. And that's when we get a very important line from Neira. And she says, everything you've become, you owe it to yourself. And you owe it to yourself to walk away from someone like him. And I really like that because, again, as you're just saying, Apostle 7, he really builds on this debt that Bella's in, to presumably into him because, um, you know, he, he's like, something you should never forget is that I gave you everything, right? You owe me. You would be nothing without me. But here comes Neira and she's like, you did everything to yourself. You owe it to no one. And the only thing that you owe is to put your, to leave unhealthy situations and to do what is best for you. And yeah, that's, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. she prioritizes Bella. Right. Whereas in the Rycliffe and Bella relationship, Rycliffe prioritizes Bella's, or, okay, wait, let me put it this way. Nera prioritizes Bella's independence. Whereas in the Rycliffe and um, Bella relationship, Rycliffe prioritizes Bella's dependence on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he puts her down so that mm-hmm. she'll stay with him. And Darcy wants to build Bella up so that she can be mm-hmm. autonomous. And like, I think that Darcy would be happy, like she would be sad, but she would be satisfied if Bella left Redcliffe, even if she didn't then end up with her, because she cares first about Bella as a person and then about Bella in relationship to herself. Mm-hmm. So she's yeah. much more selfless. Yeah, and like this isn't this isn't even about her really. Like neighbor doesn't make this issue about herself. She's um it's not like, you know, you owe it to me to come back after you disappeared for two years. Yeah. She's like, no, you owe it to yourself. Like you have done everything you've done or everything you've become, you know. She she sees Bella as a very talented circus mm-hmm. performer. She's like, that was you. You know, you are the wonderful and talented fire dancer okay that wasn't him like he gave you the opportunity but you got there yourself um and you know she said you owe it to yourself to walk away from someone like him someone like him presumably means like an abuser you know someone who's just puts her down as we were saying yeah yeah it's, it's wonderful this whole scene is fantastic and every line is great yeah oh my god literally all like so much of just their interactions there's always so many layers to it right like we go into depth for every single piece of dialogue and mm-hmm. i don't know if i can say that for a lot of other scenes that we've done that's why i come on for these episodes mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and her next line is wonderful too she's like why are you so scared 
And she recognizes that, right? It's not that she is cold. It's not that she is angry. She's scared. And that takes someone who understands Bella and who sees through like the tough veneer to articulate that emotion. Yeah. And as we were discussing or speculating earlier on whether, sorry, on whether they had an uh, emotionally vulnerable relationship, Mm. if they did, then they were probably able to more easily recognize these kinds of emotions in Bella because she's probably seen them before. Um, yeah, so, yeah, she says, Marty's so scared, Bella grips her, and she's like, you wouldn't understand, don't make this more difficult. And again, this is why I don't think that Nera knows Bella is P.S. Right, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm. And Nera leans in forward here. There's a push and a restrain, and Bella says, I came to warn you to stay away from Redcliffe at all costs, which is emphasized. And Nero's looking at Bella's hands here as Nero pushes her. And we're actually looking at this from Bella's POV, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, do Who's not... struggling? Is, um, I thought it was Darcy struggling against Bella's hands. I'm not sure. I couldn't have thought it was like Bella trying to push her back, but I think it makes more sense for Nera to be the one struggling because it kind of looks like she's wiggling her shoulders a bit trying to like loosen the grip um so yeah Bella's like do not do anything to draw his attention onto you which is gonna be hard for Nera because so they're invited to this tea party thing yeah she literally yeah she's invited to his gala and then it's kind of her job right now to do more investigative work yeah and wait bella probably doesn't know know that about darcy because darcy's not exactly saying oh i have to you know be there um yeah actually yeah she probably doesn't know that darcy's gonna show up to the ball but also i feel like this isn't gonna have much of an effect on darcy like bella's gonna tell her to stay away but i think because of this um Darcy's just going to get more curious about Redcliffe and what his deal is because again she's supposed to be investigating him right now for um for the queen and you know with the fandom scythe going around if there's something like this you know maybe you would consider that there might be some fandom scythe connections going on right now especially like although uh Neyra may not act explicitly know that Bella is fandom scythe I would not be surprised if she had suspicions because who just drops off out of a rooftop and saves you from like three men like who does that (laughs) you know it's (laughs) i don't know if she was being phantom size specifically but or just some like really cool person with training yeah (laughs) but it would but where she got that training it would make sense if she were you know trained in a criminal organization or something just because it's not she's working outside of the law definitely but listen so is darcy darcy's also a spy for the royals right so she knows that people could be you know maybe she's got training from the royal like for all she knows yeah um do you think do you think bella knows that darcy is a spy i think so yeah i think she would know because again the, the men knew right that she was a spy and again as we were talking about a lot of people in the fandom side know that kieran is the purple hyacinth like they can recognize him from his face 
And so even though Darcy may not be in the fandom scythe, if they had an ongoing relationship for three years and Nero was working as a spy for that entire time, I would not be surprised if she did know. Yeah, I would think that Bella is, you know, smart enough to, to have her finger on the pulse. And mm-hmm. even, if, even if Darcy never told her, I would think that she would know. Mm-hmm. She just listens. Um, but yeah, I, but yeah. Um, so I think okay, where I was, I think I was yeah. Where I think this whole encounter, uh, it's just gonna get Nero more suspicious of Redcliffe, and I think that's unavoidable. Like she, I don't, I think she trusts Bella to make the right decisions for herself, or she at least for. But I do think that Nero's going to be like, I don't trust you to make the decisions for me. (laughs) So I'm going to look into this more. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the last line that she has is, um, I think it's like, it's so beautifully dramatic and so painful to hear. Like the person you love saying, stay away from me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't try to host me again. Stay where you're already. It's like, how much more painful can you get? <laughs> yeah, she doesn't want to see you. This is like the worst thing possible. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like how, you know, when Bella is not talking about herself, really, she's like when she's talking about Redcliffe, um, Darcy's looking at her hands, right? Mm. But then when she says, "Do not try to get close to me again," right? <laughs> that's when Nero looks up. Um, and yeah, again, the stay away or you'll regret it. And she repeats that stay away from me. And that's when we see her. And that's kind of when we presumably switch to, um, Nero's point of view. Mm, that's awful. I mean, that must be so wounding to see the person you love tell you that. That's just... mm-hmm. And yeah, we really see like how it's a bit of a shocking moment, I think, for Nera because in the next panel, her eyes are a bit blank and she doesn't have pupils. Mm. <laughs> like, um, she does have, like, her pupils are, like, a darker shade of purple, but mm. um, even here, it does not look like they were included. So, right. And that's usually how we see, like, blanker eyes mm. in purple hyacinth. That's a good point. I didn't even notice that particular detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah and yeah she doesn't move like you see like she's like rooted in place Bella is disappearing around the corner and she kind of knows like I can't do anything to convince her she's just put the nail mm-hmm. on the top and like there's yeah. no point in running after her mm-hmm. but it kind of just makes sense like this is you know the first time in 89 where we saw their reunion it was kind of like mm, never let her leave right even because Bella was like I would never want to see you again you know never come back here mm-hmm. and so never let her leave right she Bella opened the door and left and there was just there standing at the door and then this is kind of like the second time she's Bella's like stay away from me and then she leaves and there is like well I guess that was that right and that I think that also shows Nero's respect. You know, she respects mm-hmm. what Bella wants to some extent. Obviously, mm-hmm. wants to get her back, but yeah, you know, she she won't keep trying to override her boundaries. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, she will a little bit, but <laughs> you know. yeah. Obviously, I mean, that's uh, you know, like she loves her. She wants to be in a relationship with her, but like she, mm-hmm. she's still respectful of her. Yeah. Um, and then we got to cut back to the flashback, which I think is some good poetry, sort of. You know, yeah. it's like a chalk princess. You're feisty. I'll give you that. And that's such a good line to have after that whole sequence with Nara trying to get answers, you know, and just, but still like in showing Bella that she loves her. Um, And then Bella's leaving as she just did. And Nara says, wait, that's it. Which is kind of like how I'm feeling right now. (laughs) And Nara's like, when can I see you again? And she, there's a moment of silence as she stares at Bella leaving and Bella says never and that panel directly parallels um, the above panel with like Nera's shoulder and arm and Bella a bit smaller in the distance yeah but you know what that that gives me that gives me hope because Bella said when am I going to see you again never and oh guess what they got together yeah. that so <laughs> obviously her walking away now is not the end either yeah, it's supposed to be read as, you know, irony. And you're, <laughs> yeah, you read this and you're like, she doesn't want to ever, she's like, we're never going to see each other again. And we literally just saw them have a very emotional moment. Like they're, they're meeting up again, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, makes me very hopeful that we will get more Bellarcy flashbacks because they are delicious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this episode was perfect. It was very, very emotional. Mm-hmm. yeah it, also you and Suki mentioned I remember you guys mentioning that this is the first episode where there's no other characters like there's no Lauren there's no Karen no Kim uh no Will or Lucas or Lila or Tristan or Dawkin or Herman or March whatever it's literally just Bellarcy and those three dudes from the bar <laughs> I didn't realize that at first and I was like oh oh wow right true because we do often have um even if it's like a whole like let's say Loki episodes usually something you know it kind of goes to the next uh arc with like some other characters Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um i in my notes uh hold on i'm making i'm going through my notes right now and like and seeing if i missed anything i am seeing a few things uh okay so I know you and Suki in the original podcast had a bit of a discussion about Bella's burying Mira because it was like, why didn't she just kill her? You know, she had the knife. Mm. Um, and I do think that like, maybe it was a bit unnecessary. Like maybe she didn't actually have orders to kill Mira, right? Like Nera mm. wasn't the mission. You know, there's no reason for her to kill Nera really. Like, yeah, she kind of, Nera kind of saw her beat up some guys, but you know, Nair was, was so happy about it. Yeah, she, she was happy about it. Like, so she was not going to report it to police. Um, <laughs> hey, police! This person rescued me. <laughs> yeah, and during my spy mission, which you <laughs> can't know about. <laughs> yeah, and I, we kind of, I feel like a lot of people sort of see Bella as a bit of like a serial killer, mm-hmm. but and it's kind of weird because when you actually think about it, despite her cold demeanor, we haven't actually seen Bella kill anyone without orders. Like maybe sake was a bit out there, but she did kind of have. I'm pretty sure she had, like, the messenger. Messenger four was like, yeah, that guy has to go after that encounter with Lauren. 
So it was kind of just building up to that. They were just waiting for its use to run out. Um, so yeah, Bella didn't even kill the thugs here to protect Nero. She would just beat them up and probably ruin their egos for the rest of their lives. <laughs> um, and so if also if it was the theory that uh, Nero was the kill, then it's surprising that you backed out of an order. And yeah. then it'll see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think you guys were kind of comparing her to Kieran a bit because here I have it put that it's even been theorized that Kieran has killed more people and prompted than Bella, like the Hanbury situation, mm -hmm. which we don't really fully know what it was about. But it has been suggested that may, it perhaps might have fallen out of Kieran's code of killing only on orders or as a last resort. Hence why Kieran is so strict on his principle now. Mm. Um, because in episode 28, he has this line where he says, when you lead a life such as mine, you need to abide by strong rules and never let them go. Mm. Otherwise, you'll lose sight of who you are. So it kind of seems like he has experience with that. Mm. Um, and that is probably very applicable to Bella as well, given the when you lead a life such as mine line, which mm. Bella does. So... Yeah, I don't really think Bella's like a psychopathic murderer, despite her nonchalant attitude. Right. I, I, I don't think she kills people for fun. Like, she hasn't killed anyone outside, besides for who she's been ordered to kill. And, I mean, she definitely, like, jokes about it a lot. And, like, I still <laughs> makes me very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. but, but, yeah, I mean, she, I don't think she kills wantonly. I don't think she kills because she wants to. I don't think she's just going to creep in an alley and, like, you know, delight upon the next person she can go up, you know, in the murder. So, yeah. Also, she wouldn't be killing in an alley. That's too basic for her. We established yeah, this. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, I, I kind of, again, I think we discussed it. Like, Bella is, from what it seems that the narrative has sort of been building on, she kills because she has sort of been groomed into a position where violence makes her feel powerful and you know the narrative is sort of building on she has to learn how to feel empowered through other ways like that mm -hmm. you know her relationship with neighbor she can feel empowered through that but because of Radcliffe holding her back he um he makes her seem that she can only feel powerful through serving him you know yeah. and so yeah kind of like on that regret thing I don't know I really can't say right now I wish I could but it's like yeah it's as we were talking earlier it's a bit out there right now and I think we need to see more of Bella but it could very much be building to that like yeah maybe she does regret it a bit but also her ability to kill and her history has killing has been a survival tactic so mm -hmm. maybe she doesn't regret it because it kept her alive mm -hmm. and as we talked about earlier bella is someone who adapts and so she survives right yeah <laughs> I, I think that you know that also could could be an important lesson you know not everyone people don't emerge morally unscathed from situations mm -hmm. like this yeah but I think it's interesting because it does kind of, this episode does make me think that Bella does have a bit of a moral code. Mm 
Mm. Um, I still think she's more of a neutral-ish character, but maybe even she's like a lawful neutral character. Because, mm. yeah, um, she she seems to go with that rule that Kieran also has about not killing outside of orders. Yeah, I don't know if it's like necessarily like a hard and fast rule. Kieran has probably thought about it so much and he's like, I can't do this. I have to be strict. Whereas Bella is probably like, well, I don't feel like killing him. So like, why should I? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's unnecessary. She doesn't need to do it. Why bother? (laughs) (laughs) Which isn't the best way to approach, should I kill someone? (laughs) But, you know, it's like, she if she doesn't need to do something, I don't think she would do it. It's just a waste of her time. Um, <laughs> Basically, she's not a murderer because she's lazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I guess mm-hmm. on that, it's kind of like we can't... I think going forward, it's really difficult to compare Bella and Karen morally, again, because of their situations that although similar we're also quite different and the reasons for killing are very different and so I don't think we can really hold them to the same standard and again as you said no one really emerges from this morally unscathed hmm. yeah well I mean I do think Kieran and Bella are kind of put as a contrast and I, I don't mm-hmm. think that is a bad thing mm-hmm. yeah they're yeah again they're foils they're they're not supposed to be the same character and they approach this issue very differently and from multiple different places like again in 115 which does a very good job of showing this contrast uh kieran is like we were kids they forced us to do it and he includes bella in that statement he's like us you know this this we like we didn't have agency in this and bella was like oh hell yeah we had agency in this we are complicit interactions and yeah. that is yeah I like that. I think that that shows that Bella is a little more level-headed, and Kieran's very emotional. He's a very emotional guy, and sometimes he makes stupid decisions because he's so emotional, like going to see Lauren right after he was like almost, you know, exploded and like severely <laughs> wounded. He is a, a passionate person, right? And he sometimes, I think that, like, yeah, maybe he because he lives with this like overwhelming guilt, he has to justify it in his brain. Whereas Bella, I don't think she feels so strongly. I think her emotions are much more level-headed. So she's able to understand the situation more rationally. Mm-hmm. I think also Bella, as I mentioned earlier, Bella sees it as a survival issue mm-hmm. because also in line 15, she mentioned we've always had a way out and she, you know, kind of slices, makes the slicing mo- motion to her neck. And so I don't really think Bella wants to die. So she's just like, this is how she has to survive. You know, this is what she does to survive. I also think, by the way, I think Kieran is willing to sacrifice himself. I think that he's not doing it because he feels that him living and reaching the ultimate goal of like taking down a leader is going to ultimately save more lives. Because I do think like from a moral perspective, he would rather die than kill other people. But he's not doing it because he feels like he is for the greater good and he can mm-hmm. save people that way. I was actually thinking maybe it's not that because Lauren, not Lauren, Bella kind of points out how this is 115 again. She's like, you know, I always kind of wondered why you stuck around uh, after, like, she makes an allusion to the protectee after, like, the protectee presumably died. 
Um, and it's, I don't remember if it's said, but it's like very much implied that Kieran's out for revenge. Right. And she's like, oh, in, you know, something, I think something like, you know, oh, like if you're out for the bench, like, wow, that's a long game you're playing. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's what yeah. he's doing. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they kill for maybe not amazing reasons, but Kieran, he's out for justice and Bella is out for survival. And I think those are very understandable motivations. And even with Bella, it could be said that because even Bella, like she's also trying, I feel like we forget this a lot, but it is kind of very much implied that she is trying to leave the situation on her own terms. Yeah. Because I don't she, think she's ready yet. I think yeah, she I, will be there. Oh, but I don't I, think I, she's ready to leave at all yet. I don't think she's ready to leave at all either, but she is preparing for some kind of departure as like literally one of the first scenes she's in. She's like, Yeah, I'm just trying to make as much money before I can kill them all you know it's kind of implied that she's saving that money so she can leave and she's financially de- independent hmm. what what episode was that in again mid-30s it's like okay. it's when she starts talking to kieran mm. okay i'll check it out hmm. because that's curious because as of now i see her as being still psychologically connected to Redford oh, yeah. and not with not at all able to take that step but i do think that that's her her challenge in the story is to disconnect emotionally and and mm-hmm. become independent. Yeah, and I don't know, like, if it's really maybe that's not the point because it's very much like Bella is the art of subtlety. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of just implications with her, and so you have to speculate a lot. Mm-hmm. But um, with that, you kind of do see Bella sort of just breaking away from the Phantom side slowly. Like she even again she admits to. Redcliffe slash the apostle that maybe she just doesn't enjoy killing people anymore yeah that was a big thing for her to say mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah it would make sense if the reason that she wants money is less so she can live a super lavish lifestyle and more that she doesn't have to depend on the phantom scythe and killing people to survive mm-hmm. yeah i think yeah, I think that is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, actually, look here. So, <laughs> last few notes. Um, you and Suki theorized on whether Bella was attracted to Neira in the when they first oh, the met first in that flashback. Mm-hmm. And while I do think Neira was Loki crushing, because in mm-hmm. one panel there was some really subtle blush. Yeah, I mean, like a woman jumps out of the sky and knocks three men out. I would yeah. be blushing too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that Bella is really into Darcy yet at this yeah. point, mm-hmm. um, because her assessment of Darcy, her assessment of Darcy definitely plays a part in it. But like, given her prejudice of Nera, mm-hmm. and how the episode ends with some ironic implications that the two will cross paths again, I would suspect Bella to slowly develop feelings later on rather than right in this moment like she acknowledges um she acknowledges that Nera is attractive and she has nice features but I don't think she's inclined to it herself right now yeah she's not in that frame of mind at all mm-hmm. yeah and especially this is like probably Bella maybe like the height of her stuff I, mean, I don't know if this is like peak 
golden viper but she is very confident at this point you know she has very much swagger and she hasn't really been challenged emotionally mm-hmm. like we see with Nera before so um it would it would make sense that she would really not be looking for any relationships right now like that's what she's been taught makes her weak <laughs> you know she's not she's not gonna weaken herself when she's you know reaching the prime of her life as an assassin that's mm-hmm. that would be so stupid i don't think she would ever do that no <laughs> but as you know things take a turn <laughs> yeah i'm very curious i mean like we've mentioned this before but i'm curious what kind of relationship they had because i can't see bella being a so like foolhardy to actually get into a relationship and be emotionally be ready to do that so i feel like it was always like they were dancing around each other they were highly attracted to each other they maybe i actually think it's very possible they did already kiss and make out because mm-hmm. and then maybe like she's like oh, right you said like maybe that was scared her but um it's one thing to like make out with someone it's another thing to admit that you love them so mm-hmm. yeah kiss kiss fall in love <laughs> but yeah i'm very much looking forward to the next few flashbacks and mm-hmm. i hope i don't have to wait a year and three <laughs> months again for the next one <laughs> but yeah they, um the Lurcy is really coming in as i think one of the best relationships in purple hyacinth i think it's fair to say that now i think yeah. they are very well developed at least on bella's side i don't know about Nera. bella has been really like just all of this conflict between her Nera, and uh the apostle and then kieran sometimes coming in and being like i know you have feelings too <laughs> but all of that has been just really well done like you can really draw you can draw all these comparisons and um differences and parallels even mm-hmm. so that has been really interesting and fun to watch unfold Mm-hmm. yeah major major kudos to um f and so if so was writing this as well because this is yeah this is pretty well done mm-hmm. like, yeah one of my favorite uh, aspects of season three and maybe that's just my bias to Belarusi speaking but also i yeah i think this is like really well written <laughs> yeah i agree it was very dramatically appropriate like this was mm-hmm. what we needed to happen now it felt right it was yeah pack that punch yeah and like as i mentioned at the beginning of this i was not expecting a flashback here Mm -hmm. but it works it works really well like you know you you see the beginnings of belarcy's of the belarcy relationship and here we're really kind of seeing the aftermath of it or Mm -hmm. the characters sort of reacting to the aftermath that's a really good dichotomy and then the end where it's like will i ever see you again mm-hmm. and bella's like never like what <laughs> a way to end off an episode where bella for the second time is like stay away from me because it's you know you know that they're gonna come back mm-hmm. that, that was so good yeah it was great it was very mm-hmm. dramatic <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that we got to do this episode and have, you know, your perspective because this is your in your heart. <laughs> yeah, this is 
out of everything in Purple Hyacinth, this is what I think I specialize. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, th- yeah. So because of that, thank you again so much for having me. This has been a blast. I Yeah. I have always have so much fun discussing these characters. Awesome. Well, I mean, I kind of suspect the next few episodes will will focus away from Valarcy for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I don't. I'm actually kind of curious on that because it seems like we've kind of hit that Valarcy punch that we were all that was kind of building to. Mm-hmm. But we have to kind of return to Lauren and Kim because they have their stuff to resolve about the factory arc that Kim was kind of thinking I think it was Kim thinking about but then the murder disrupted that right yeah and I would expect yeah I would expect more Redcliffe content like maybe Bella goes back to Redcliffe because she is supposed to be like his bodyguard during this Mm -hmm. and I do wonder if we are going to get more interactions between the characters but I could also I also wonder if maybe the arc's just closing up, which I would hope not, because going into this arc, you know, people were just all there were so many expectations about the character interactions that would we would get, and I'm still clinging mm-hmm. to that. Maybe we'll see a bit of like Lauren and Bella, and maybe Kim finds Nero mm-hmm. left behind there, or maybe like Will finds Nero there. I don't I don't think so. I think it's gonna. I think that's resolving. I think that maybe really? we'll get a little bit more about like what's happening with, you know, with, with the murder, like maybe that wrapping up. But I think mm-hmm. the drama, the main drama, was this episode. Like, okay, okay, that would make sense. I'm a, I won't, I won't, I will admit, I'm a little disappointed because you know everyone got their expectations up about the character dynamics, and I guess like we'll have to see. I mean, we'll literally find out in less than 24 hours. Wait. <laughs> No, we will find out exactly 24 hours from now. Literally 9 o'clock. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's literally when episodes drop. <laughs> but, um. That's funny. Perfect. Well, it's a good thing. Literally on the minute, too. <laughs> on the minute. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah right. I, I hope we see more. See in 24 hours, then. Um, yeah. <laughs> Probably. I mean. Fingers crossed. I, I've gotten my Belarusi hit and I want more <laughs> maybe not together but I will gladly take either characters on their own especially okay actually you know what I think we need to do I think we need to see a shake and Bella go back to Redcliffe and Redcliffe immediately knows that she ran into Nera that would be that would be interesting <laughs> Maybe she finally says, tells him no in some capacity, you know, not completely, like, but she tells him off or something. Yeah, she lies to him and he's mm-hmm. like, okay, that was, that was weird. You know, mm-hmm. Something's off. Cause he knows, he knows that Nera's there, right? Mm-hmm. And they got separated. So he doesn't know where Nera is. So maybe they did go find each other. Yeah. But that's fine. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so yeah. much, Boot, for thank you, doing yeah. this. Thank you so much for having me. And- again thank you so much for your time so it's a long episode i i would expect no less <laughs> <laughs> yep all right well thanks so much and we'll see each other soon bye, bye. thank you thanks
Thank you so much to my current patrons. Susie, Lady Libris, Lily, Jenny, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Joe Rochelle, Saucy Tacos, and Rose, Alexa, Misty, Joanne, Imelda, Esther, I'm watching you people, Emily, Jean, Jen, Aaron, Kate, Lily, Beckett, Saranda, Christine, Sadie, Kelly, Teresa, Mrs. Castaldo, Diana, Louisa, and Rachel. Your support is truly appreciated. Thank you.